the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, in the Gospel, appears first to Mary Magdalene, and she goes and tells the disciples that she saw Jesus, and they don't believe her. And then Jesus appears to two other people on the road as they're on their way to Emmaus, and they go and tell the disciples, and when the disciples hear it, they don't believe. And so the disciples are hearing that that Jesus is risen, that people are seeing Jesus as he's risen from the dead, and they don't believe in what they're being told. Even though Jesus, throughout the gospel, has been telling his disciples that he's going to suffer, that he's going to die, and on the third day he's going to rise again. And so he's been preparing them for this, but they still don't believe. Now, how many of us today don't believe? I think the most important thing as Catholics, especially as people who come to Mass, who come to church, the very thing that I see most people not believing in is the Eucharist. The very Eucharist. My biggest pet peeve is when people call the Eucharist the bread. Oh, Father, I took the bread. I'm like, it's not bread. It's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The Eucharist is so much more than just bread. Yes, it looks like bread, it tastes like bread, but it's so much more than just bread. Through the Mass, God has ordained and chosen men and priests for his words to be made known, for his words to be spoken, so that bread and wine can become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Honestly, as a priest, it's, it's crazy to me. It's amazing to me that every single day I get to stand at the altar and bread and wine become his body and blood. And I see the power of that. But do we believe the power of that? Yes, maybe some of us believe in that power, but we can say we believe in it, but do we really believe? Do we really believe that the Eucharist has power, that the Eucharist is Jesus? It's amazing. You know, there's a saying that you don't know what you have until you've lost it. You don't know what you have until it's gone. I remember when COVID hit, you know, I was blessed to be a priest during COVID. It was my first year of COVID. It was the first, my first year of priesthood, and COVID came. And I was blessed to have the Eucharist every single day. But I couldn't imagine being any of you sitting in this church. Because for months, you couldn't receive the Eucharist. For months, you couldn't come to Mass. For months, you had to sit in your home. And even those who were coming to Mass, the servers who were coming to Mass, couldn't receive the Eucharist either. The bishop had made a rule that even if you were serving in Mass, you had to unite yourself with everybody else in our community, and only the priest could receive the Eucharist during those months of quarantine. And I remember the very first day that the church did something. It was Divine Mercy Sunday. And Divine Mercy Sunday, if you remember, a bunch of the churches did an outdoor Eucharistic adoration. And it was the first time after the churches had been closed, after Governor Whitmer, you know, grained her power on us, right, and closed us down. And it was the first time that we courageously, even in the midst of that, said, you know what? We need people to see Jesus. And I'll never forget it. I remember how packed the parking lot was. 
I remember how many people were coming to church just so they could see Jesus. Mind you, we were not giving out the Eucharist at that point. We just brought Jesus out so that everybody who hadn't seen him in person for a very long time could finally see him again. And I remember going around, we were holding the monstrance with the Eucharist, and we were walking around the parking lot, and people were weeping. People were straight up weeping when they saw the Eucharist for the first time. I couldn't believe it. We don't know what we have until it's gone. We don't know what we have until we've lost it. And I think on that Divine Mercy Sunday, many people, and I'm sure many of you who are sitting here, remembered the power of the Eucharist. The power that is in the body and blood of Jesus. You know, this first reading, if we don't believe in the Eucharist, this first reading from Isaiah is all about the Eucharist. Isaiah has this vision of the temple, this vision of being in God's presence, and they start singing, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. We sing this in Mass. And then, he's in the presence of these angels, he's in the presence of God, and Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I am unclean. And the angel takes tongs and takes a burning coal from the altar and he places it on Isaiah's lips and he says, you have been made clean. Your sins have been forgiven. The book of Isaiah was written 800 years before Jesus. Think about this. 800 years before Jesus, this book was written. And this very image of the coal coming from the altar and being placed on the lips of Isaiah is an image of the Eucharist. It's an image of the Eucharist. So 800 years before Jesus, the prophets were already talking about the Eucharist. That is amazing. The Eucharist is something that purifies us. It transforms us. The Eucharist heals us. It gives us life. You know, I just experienced that recently, just a couple of weeks ago. My aunt uh, was in the hospital, and she's a beautiful, beautiful woman. I love her. She's probably one of my favorite aunts. And so she has struggled with cancer for 22 years. 22 years she's had cancer. 22 years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer, stage 4 breast cancer. And she was supposed to die 22 years ago. And she's survived for 22 years. And every time the cancer has come back, she's beat it every single time because of her faith in Jesus. This time, the cancer came back, and it spread everywhere. And it totally took over her to the point where she was totally out of it, went into the hospital, lost total conscience and everything. And so she's sitting in her hospital bed, and at this point, as a family... We're very worried. I went into the hospital on that Sunday, and I remember celebrating Mass here Sunday morning. I was out of it, just thinking about her. For two days, I was literally crying for her because she lives on the east side, and I always call her my east side mom because whenever I was a seminarian on the east side or a priest on the east side, she was the one I would turn to. And so it hit me hard when that happened. So she went into the hospital, and we get the phone call, and we're all worried. They're telling us these are her last moments. You know, this is kind of her final days. 
And so they asked me to come and give her her last rites, to give her her final blessings. So I go, and I pray over her, I give her her last rites, I ask the Lord to take her to the heavenly kingdom, I ask the Lord to forgive her of all her sins. So the next day I went back, and I was blessed to be able to celebrate Mass at her bed in the hospital. We set up a little, one of those little hospital tables, and I brought everything that I needed, and there were 30 of us in the room, and we celebrated Mass right next to her. And again, she was out of it. We really thought these were her last moments. The Mass was amazing. The Mass was beautiful. She couldn't even receive the Eucharist. But at the time that everybody was receiving the Eucharist, I took the plate, the ciborium, with the Eucharist, and I placed it on her head, and I placed it in the areas where her cancer really was. And so Mass finished. It was still a very sad moment, a difficult moment for all of us. And I leave. And then my cousin FaceTimes me. Because after I left and after that Mass, my aunt woke up and she started talking again. And now she's home. And that's the power of the Eucharist. We don't really believe in how powerful the Eucharist is. Look at how it healed and purified Isaiah. The Eucharist is meant to heal and purify us. Every single time we come to Mass, we're not just receiving a piece of bread, my brothers and sisters. We are receiving Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus who's come to give us life, the Jesus who's come to raise us up, the Jesus who's come to save us from our sins. That is the Eucharist we receive. And that is an amazing gift, an amazing blessing. And so when we receive the body of Christ today. Be thankful for that gift. Just want to close with this. There's In our Mass, we have something called the propers. And these prayers are the only prayers that change every single Sunday based on the season, based off of the readings. And so, the propers always talk about this verse from Isaiah, this coal that touched his lips. And this is what it says. The coal which the prophets saw the angel held with tongs, tongues, but now in the sanctuary, the priest bear it in his hands. So the coal that the angels held with tongs, the priest holds that very coal, that body of Christ in his hands. It's the most privileged thing I get to do as a priest, is to give you the Eucharist, to feed you as your spiritual father. I pray that you are ready to be fed. I pray that you are ready to encounter Jesus in just a couple of minutes. I pray that when you receive him right now in this Mass, you would be raised up. You would be healed. You would be set free. You would be ready to be sent out into the world as a tabernacle, as a monstrance, to not be afraid, to not be anxious, to not be depressed, to not be stressed, but to be filled with Jesus, filled with his presence. That's what we have to look forward to in just a couple of minutes. And so let's receive him. Let's allow him to heal us, to set us free, and to be thankful for the greatest gift that he's given us, his body and his blood. Amen.